I'll say, bless the Lord. If you'll say, oh, my soul, bless the Lord. Bless his holy name. Hi, Kairos. I'm Chris. I'm the pastor here. Kairos is our honest and unique attempt to connect to God and each other and his mission. We want to be the kind of people who can bring the whole gospel to the whole person, anywhere, anytime, with anybody. Um, and we do that in a variety of ways. We want to be a gospel-centered community. And so we do that by gathering here on Tuesday nights. Hey, but that's just the icing on the cake. Each week we're gathering in Bible reading groups throughout the week, and we invite you to be a part of that. Get connected, get to know someone. I know some of you are new or just visiting for us for the first time or getting to know us. That's the best way to get involved in the lifeblood of our community. And then we have multiple missional projects that Stephanie, our connections minister, heads up uh, in an incredible way. She's going to tell you about a couple of those, some that we're going to celebrate and some that we have in front of us. And then also, just so you know, there are prayer walls um, on each of the aisleways there, and there's prayer tags. Um, and it's our honor and privilege to pray for you guys. Uh, we believe here at Kairos, prayer is our primary strategy, and we want to see breakthrough in your life. So along with the prayer counselors who will be at the front who are ready to pray for you, there's also an opportunity to write down a prayer request. Um, and just so you know, uh, it's your prayer requests get a ridiculous amount of spiritual attention. So we will distribute them all to the staff. Each sing, every single one of your prayer requests will be prayed over, and then it will make its way through three other separate prayer teams. So your prayer tag is going to be in circulation for probably about three or four weeks. So I would take us up on that offer. Let us pray over you and fight for breakthrough so that you can see the evidence of God's glory and goodness uh, in your life. Well, it's good to be back. Uh, we had July 4th off. I hope you guys had fun. Before that, um, I was out of town, and an average pastor named Darren Whitehead came here and crushed it. Uh, he was amazing, uh, really blessed by his time here. That gave me uh, an opportunity to go to Daytona Beach and do a conference there and spend some one-on-one -on -one time uh, with Addie Gale, one of my daughters, and it was just delightful, and there was good waves while we were there. So thanks be to God. But it's good to be back, and we're going to jump back in it. Um, let me ask you this question to get us started off tonight. What are you familiar with that still has the power to surprise you? What are you familiar with that still has the power to surprise you? For me, there, there is a couple of things. Uh, I was reminded, 4th of July, fireworks. I've been to fireworks. I get it. I'm 42 years old. I've seen a lot of them, and we go every year just because it's what you do, or you're not an American, apparently. And so we went to the fireworks show, and I know exactly what to expect, but there are moments where I just go, ooh, or ah, or your jaw drops, or you just look at the person you're with and went, ooh, I like that one. <laughs> it's the same firework from last year. Okay. Um, I, my favorite, I call it the Rice Krispies one where it blows up and then all the little flecks come out and it sizzles, you know, see? I should brand that name and steal it from them. I still haven't seen any kind of like Gandalf Hobbit dragon flying thing, but uh, until that comes, man, they still have the power to surprise me. It's incredible. Um, another thing that I'm familiar with that has the power to surprise me uh, is an old song from a particular season in your life. My wife and I, when we're making dinner sometimes with our kids, we'll put on like 80s or 90s Pandora music, and then your jam will come on, man. And immediately, you just start shaking your hips, you start shaking your shoulders a little bit, and you just can't help. You get real happy, you invite your kids up to dance, and when mama's dancing, the whole family is happy. It's incredible. 
You know that, that one song that just immediately you're back in your Trans Am or whatever that is for you guys and you're cool again, or you're still cool, but. Um, and then I, I think the last thing that I realized that I, I'm very familiar with but still has the power to surprise me by how much joy it brings me is my bed. <laughs> like seriously, y'all. I, I, you, you do the research, you spend like half your life there, right? And especially I get home from a trip, I forget, oh, I missed you. <laughs> That's the bed, then I do it to Audrey, but it's, you, gotta, you gotta have priorities, right? It's just, there you go, thanks. I'm dyslexic, so mind your own business. <laughs> so those things, familiar with, still has the power to surprise and bring great joy. There are also things I think that we're familiar with that still have the power to surprise us by the amount of grief we feel, the sadness or anger. I know how much a movie ticket costs, and it still grieves me every time I pay it. I now have six people that make up our family. We have to take out a small mortgage on our house to go all go to the family to, to the movies together. Uh, I'll, I'll pay for it and they'll say, do you want a receipt? No, I do not. I don't want to forget as quickly as possible how much I just spent right now. And then, you know, to add insult to injury in my shrewd financial planning, the next step I'll make is immediately go buy popcorn that's marked up 500%. Because those places have me tricked like a Pavlovian dog. Like I can't help it. I smell it. And before I know it, I've just paid another small car loan for snacks for my family. Um, another thing I think that has the power uh, to surprise us by how much grief it brings is the DMV. No offense to you if you work there. It's just, it is a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. <laughs> and we all know what to expect. And when we expect it and get it, we're still very sad in our hearts and lonely and wish better things could happen. Comcast. We, we like to speak the truth here, so again, I apologize if, that, if that's your corporation or it offends you, but I'm just, <laughs> it does, it grieves me. Five o'clock traffic. It, you know it's coming. You, you know it, you, it's part of the deal. It don't matter what city you live in, it all has an area and it, it just gets congested and you're in it and you knew it and you're angry and frustrated. Like, what is this? Why did I move here? I'm moving away. Go, go. It's gonna be the next place you go probably and if there is no traffic, it's boring. So <laughs> it's just things we have to deal with. One of the things that I'm familiar with that I'm still surprised that it's power to bring grief in my life is my sin and my brokenness and repetitive ways of thinking and behaving that I thought I had dealt with seemed to creep in. One of the things that brings, that I'm so familiar with that still brings incredible joy and the power to surprise me by the joy it brings is the gospel because of what it says about my sin and my brokenness, what it says about this world and this predicament we find ourselves in. And I wonder tonight that even though a lot of you may be familiar with the gospel. Does it still have the power to surprise you tonight? And for those of you who may be just here and you're considering the claims of Christ and you may not be familiar with it or the version that you're familiar with it really isn't aligned with what scripture, I'm praying that it will have the power to surprise you 
about how grand and glorious and good it is that you'll find Jesus Christ as revealed to us in the pages of Scripture. Uh, I don't know about you. I just want to live every day in response to the gospel. I never want to get over its familiarity or its power to surprise me by its unending power and its grandeur of its glory and its devastating beauty. And all the while, it points me again and again to the cross of Jesus Christ. And when I grieve my sin, it doesn't stay there, but the power of the gospel propels me up into the deep gladness of God where it says, restore unto me the joy of your salvation and renew a steadfast spirit within me. So that's what we're going to be doing for the next four weeks. Man, it was awesome. We just got off a relationship series, just had a ball and sermon on worship. It's been incredible, but we're just going to hunker down in Romans chapter 8 for the next four weeks. And we are going to do this uh, because we need to be reminded of the gospel and its power still to surprise us. Um, We need to be reminded that we're loved and we're forgiven and we're accepted and that there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we're going to try to figure out maybe a way that we can learn by the end of the night to be able to walk out of this room and to be able to preach the gospel to ourselves. And so that's not just my job. That's all of our jobs as followers of Christ. Uh, That's a great phrase that I love. It's called preach the gospel to yourself. Somewhere along the line, I just added daily. um, And then somewhere along the line, I added twice daily. Uh, You know that convenience store? I was reading like their mission statement. It's really nice, by the way. That brings me deep happiness. Um, Their goal is for you to stop on the way to work and on the way back twice daily. And for what I realized, when I was preaching the gospel to yourself, it needs to happen twice daily. I need to wake up in the morning, I need to preach the gospel, that I have the energy and I have the resources and I have the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ I need to do today to serve him with gladness, as Psalm 100 says. And by the end of the day, when I'm back in my bed, right, I'm going to be back there preaching the gospel again to myself. Because I'm going to have to realize all the ways that I've fallen short of the glory of God, all the ways that I've disappointed myself and others, and I'm going to need God's goodness and mercy to redeem and restore so I can wake up tomorrow in full assurance that I am who God says I am, and I can live in line with his spirit and in his kingdom. So that's why we want to preach the gospel to ourselves twice daily. So we're going to spend four weeks there, and it's going to help us remember uh, the gravity of our sin and the grandeur of the grace that's revealed in Jesus Christ. Now, those two things right there, right? The grandeur, uh, the gravity of our sin and the grandeur of grace, those seems like polar opposites, don't they? But as we dive into Romans chapter eight, you're gonna discover that they're actually paradoxical dance partners, and they begin to twist and turn to the rhythm of the gospel. So Romans chapter eight, we'll be going through one through 11 tonight. Hey, just word of warning before I pray, it's gonna get thick. It's dense. It's weighty, it's theologically carbonated, and we're gonna shake it up and pop the top. And so for some of you, that gets you really, really excited. For others of you, that can be really discouraging. Um, And I just wanna say that I believe God wants to speak to all of us tonight through this. Um, If you'll find comfort in the fact that in 2 Peter 3.16, Peter says some of Paul's letters are difficult to understand. That's welcome if that's part of you. For me, sometimes I have to read this out, write it out, go over it again and again and again and again. We're gonna read through this. It feels like run-on sentences. 
Uh, this is really gonna highlight some of my reading disabilities, so I'm gonna take my time and kind of tiptoe through this passage. But I believe what the, what the heart of this text is after we're done reading it and studying it is not simply intellectual agreement, but that an understanding that produces worship and love. So with that in mind, let's uh, jump into Romans uh, chapter eight, starting verse one. Let's pray real quick. Not real quick, let's pray. (laughs) Jesus, would you go before us in this text and make a way? Holy Spirit, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? And together we say, speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Amen. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, as it's actually printed. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do and that it was weakened by the sinful nature God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemns sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. (laughs) Boom. For those who do not live according, we do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit, they have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of a sinful man is death. Watch this. Some of you came here tonight just to read this verse. But the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ, but if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives in you. I'll say the word of the Lord if you'll say thanks be to God. The word of the Lord. Preach the gospel to yourself twice daily. If you want to start practicing that, I would recommend that you memorize the first verse in this chapter. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's a great place to start because it gets ridiculous. What you need to know, there's a therefore, so we're gonna back up just a little bit. In chapter seven, Paul just detonated a one kiloton thermonuclear gospel explosion. And he did it by ripping through it this way. He was crying out and frustrated and he's probably clenching his fist and gritting his teeth and gives the primordial cry of all broken humanity because his sin keeps sabotaging all of his efforts, even his best efforts. And he says, who will deliver me from this body of sin, a wretched person that I am? And the long fuse of frustration has been lit until it finds its way into the gunpowder of the gospel. And all of a sudden it detonates. He says, thanks be to God, I'm saved through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so you gotta understand now the shockwave is coming off, right? And it's just gone boom. By the way, 
Uh, instead of saying amen tonight, feel free to say boom, okay? <laughs> We've got to loosen you guys up. If you hear the gospel and it's resonating with you, let's just go ahead and contextualize that. Amen is a Hebrew word that means boom, okay? <laughs> if I had a mic, I'd drop it, um, but I won't because those are expensive. He finally gets to that. So then here comes the shock wave and it's ripping into chapter eight, right? And it's decimating and devastating all of our denials, our excuses and our insecurities that the accuser brings against us. And here it comes, there is now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Preach the gospel to yourself, men and women, twice daily, and understand that because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, there's no condemnation. The cross has the final word over your insecurities, over the accuser that is accusing you, over the brokenness that someone else caused you, over the self-hatred you walked in here with tonight. You need to know that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus. Now I'm going to make a sharp turn. Stay with me, please, and pray for me. To say that there is now no condemnation in Christ Jesus, for those who are in Christ Jesus, means two things, right? That there was condemnation and that there is condemnation for those who are outside of Christ Jesus. For those of you in the room, I love that Kairos is an honest and unique place where we can talk about our faith, the scriptures, our life in the kingdom of God. And I know there's some of you who are outside of Christ, you're considering the claims of Christ, you're spiritually curious, or you've been wounded by a religious person or institution in a way that you've turned your back on God and the church and the scriptures and it took everything you could just to get in here tonight and I love the fact that you're in the room and I don't want you ever to leave and I want you to come and I want you to hear the glory and goodness of God. And I know that because I grew up underneath them, there are a lot of bullies and bigots in Christianity who are trigger happy with the condemnation of God but have no clue about the grace of God. And that's more about their insecurities before God than it is about you. And I don't want to offend you in such a way that you don't come back. But I have to trust God with that. Because the bigger offense that I could do to you tonight is to lie to you and not talk to you about the condemnation that you are currently under if you are outside of Christ Jesus. The good news is that with Jesus Christ, there is now no condemnation. And the reason that I believe the Spirit is going to use the exact words of Scripture to awaken some of you in this room tonight is because nine times out of ten, you would hear that condemnation talk, you would shut it down intellectually, your heart would put up a wall, and you would walk literally out of this room, whether physically or emotionally. But the second I said that you were under condemnation, the Holy Spirit is illuminating and naming something for you you've been trying to name by another name your whole life. And that is you've lived under a cloud of condemnation and guilt. Realizing that you could never live a different way and that... The pain that you know right now is all that there ever is going to be and that your best bet is you. But I wonder 
if you being aware of the cloud of condemnation that you're under isn't just evidence of God's anger towards sin, but evidence of his mercy towards sinners. I wonder if you're just aware and able to name it and go, oh my gosh, that's what I've been living under, that's me. That's not just evidence of God's wrath, that's evidence of his mercy. Hear me very clearly. This is as far as I'll go with it because this is the simplest way that I can describe it. Because a lot of times we want to say, if God is good and he's all powerful and he's all loving, why does there have to be condemnation? He could have just forgiven it and wiped it away. Condemnation is the response of a justice-loving God to injustice. And he poured out his condemnation on his son, Jesus Christ, so that he could become a sin offering for us. So now those who line up underneath the sun, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if that's fallen fresh on you or the Spirit's awakening you in a way that he normally hasn't, uh, and you've heard the gospel preached for the first time in a way that you've actually grasped it and want to respond to it, maybe tonight is the night you preach the gospel to yourself for the first time. That's you. Find a beeline to me afterwards. Love to talk to you and pray through that with you. And I think a lot of us agree, not our heads in here who are the children of God, and we want to pray for that, and we want to believe in that, and we want to continue to see that, that you can preach the gospel to yourself twice daily, and that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But the sad truth is, maybe the reason you don't know what a condemnation-free life looks like is because none of us walk around actually living it. I want to say two things about this. And again, we're just... One Christian in the room, child of God, do not confuse condemnation with consequences of your sin. Two, I believe that you're... Too many of us are living in condemnation on ourselves and other people, and that's not the life that God has called you to live in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And maybe that's because we've forgotten how to preach the gospel to ourselves. Maybe we have such this tiny, puny, feeble definition of the gospel that's so radically incomplete that for some of us in Christian culture, we heard it when we were a kid and we kind of got inoculated against the true, robust, devastating beauty and glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, when you inoculate your kids against a disease, you give them a vaccine, and that vaccine is actually the virus, but it's in a weakened form. So you build antibodies so that when you actually encounter the real virus in all of its weight, your antibodies attack it and go, bump, that's nothing. Some of us just got this teeny, tiny, puny gospel that was some deliverance from hell and into heaven, and that's part of the gospel. It's just not the whole gospel. And we feared and guilted you out of hell and into heaven. And we gave you nothing when it came to living in the power of Jesus and being led by the Spirit. And all you had left was this behavior modification gospel that says, God likes me if I behave well. And it's not working out. And maybe tonight you need the full weight of the gospel that's going to apply to your justification, your sanctification, and your glorification. What does that mean? I don't know. I studied it in seminary. It just means that you can get right with God and you can become the righteousness of God. 
You can live right now, even in the midst of sin and brokenness with an increasing sense of God's power and presence in your life. And you don't have to live under condemnation. And it means that one day we will be fully and finally adopted and restored and presented before God by Jesus through his spirit as heirs and co-heirs with Jesus. And that, there you go. And that pronouncement that's gonna happen in the future one day, Paul says is by the blood of Jesus transported to you here right now. The question is, are you gonna live into it? Or are you gonna do the accuser's job for him by accusing yourself every day and living in self-hatred? Please stop doing his job for him. I don't know about you, I, 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 I get it, I struggle with condemnation and self-hatred, it is a knee-jerk response when I don't live up to my expectations or other people's expectations. That's why I preach the gospel to myself twice daily. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Christian assurance is not self-assurance. It's gospel assurance. And that's why we preach the gospel to ourselves twice daily, so that we can live into the reality that has been purchased for us. And a father who looks at us and says, oh, my son bought that for you. Why are you now living into this again? So what would it take for us tonight as children of God to move from condemnation to conviction that I am who God says I am and I can live the way his spirit is leading me to live? I think the best thing we can do is preach the gospel to ourselves. So let's practice that together for our 120 seconds. This will be our prayer exercise. The band's gonna come, and right after we pray, we're gonna rip the roof off with the goodness and the glory of the gospel, you right? We're gonna detonate that, and I probably can't say detonate a bomb in here. That's not <laughs> helpful. <laughs> Metaphor. <laughs> All right. Get yourself in a place where you can practice this. I'll give you a couple prompts and we're gonna, with the spirit of God's help, we're gonna preach the gospel to ourselves. I want you to think of the one thing this week that has condemned you the most. The one thing that brings about the most anxiety or fear or shame. Where's that one place? Is it a series of events? Is it one event? What is it right now? that makes you prone to condemnation either of yourself or of someone else. Name it to God, confess it, repent of it, don't candy coat it. Maybe one of the reasons the gospel is so puny in its power in our lives is because our prayers of confession are so puny. So just go. You're free, child. There's no condemnation. So let them know. Now preach the gospel to yourself. What scriptures what phrases, what songs, 
what identity statements rising up in you by the power of the Spirit of God who's leading you into all truth? How would you preach the gospel to yourself and over your life right now? Practice in front of your heavenly Father. vocabulary to preach the gospel to themselves. Create in them a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit within them. Let the glory of your gospel be over us, be in us, through us. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the resurrection. And thank you that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen.